Yo, what's up? This is Brain Orchestra, Eastwick in the building, listening to Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. doesn't know that this movie was recommended by anyone we were just looking for stoner comedies and this was one and that's it that's all they really need to know they don't need to know that i was like oh i remember that being a good movie but i mean you did pick it yeah but it was a list of like 15 movies sure and and, you know know what i'm saying like you brought it to a you know how like in mob movies they'll like break some guy's hand because he brought them a bad actor and that actor stole a bunch of money or whatever sure yes yeah, yeah. Exactly. so like all i'm saying is, is if i'm going to the chopping block for this then your hand needs to be broken so by mob rules you mob should rules. be you should be shot in the head 100 i'm taking the bullet here i'm saying that i did this to us that this miserable film was brought to the doorstep the final process was me saying oh i think you're gonna like that movie yeah, but you see, like, but I forgot that the movie is boring as fuck and long. It's Jesus. It's, there it's, were just scenes on top of scenes. It's just painful in times. To really How long get is it? I didn't even look. How long? Yeah. It felt like it was an it's, hour it, and fifty minutes. It's least. only an hour and thirty-six minutes. For real? That's all it is, man. It's that's basic, like almost standard. That like the seven stoner minutes comedy. that they left a, in there. Yeah. Stoner comedy length, but look, I want to be, I want to be fair to you in this because I know like after like we really got on your ass about bong water, which was, I still think is the worst thing we watched. Oh, it's, it's so much worse than this. But, but I want to say like, I think this calls back to an issue that has come up with stoner comedies across Uh the season is that I had a real fondness for like Cheech and Chong when I was younger, before I really understood anything about weed. I was kind of really interested in like Cheech and Chong movies and listened to their albums. So like when we did Far Out, man, you know, I I walked into that somewhat blind and I said to myself, I couldn't bear to go back and watch or rewatch those old Cheech and Chong films because I was afraid (sighs) that I was going to realize that the thing I liked as a kid was fucking bad. It's like just the other day I put on Weird Al Yankovic's Dare to be Stupid which was an album in like, I think 1986 oh, no. or whatever I, that I cared out poorly. Right. Uh, you know what? I didn't hate it. Okay. I actually okay, didn't good. hate it. it but he's it a was funny dude. He's gone on to do like really weird, cool stuff. And is always like in the background, naked gun. He's in all three mm-hmm. naked gun films. Mm-hmm. He's in, uh, you know, he does that thing with, uh, Ackerman. Oh sure. Yeah. The comedy that, bang like, bang. Yeah. That all my mushroom friends love. It's, it's great. <laughs> so I feel like, but yeah. I want to give you, I want to give you some grace here. Uh, because that's the first time you've ever done that. It feels really good, Gary, because I really, really was so mad watching this a second time. I was like, this could have stayed in innocence and lostness, and I never would have known it was awful. I'm gonna give you give you some grace in this, I but I can't that. promise that our guests will. That's perfectly fine. And after that conversation, I think you and I might need to have a talk. Oh God, okay. Boy, I'm having a lot of those this week. We'll be right back. I'm very happy to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Mark Pikert, former editor-in-chief at Playbill, Backstage, and New York Press. He currently hosts the podcast Shocking, Lurid Tawdry, A History of American Scandals. His debut novel, Jagged Sophistication, is out now and available from Amazon. Also joining us today is Brain Orchestra. The New Jersey rapper and producer has been on a bit of a prolific streak this year, dropping a string of new projects, including Olive Branch and Message to You. His latest is called Hidden Hash Volume 1, available on Bandcamp and wherever music is streamed or sold. Hello and welcome to you both. Hello. This is our season finale. And this was a film that uh, Jeff had recommended uh, for a very specific reason. We already... We already talked about this. I didn't recommend. 
it was on a list and I said, oh, I remember liking this. So Jeff recommended this movie. Oh, come and, on. And um, for most of the season, these are films that at least one of us has not seen. Um, mm -hmm. So there have been movies where only I've seen it and Jeff hadn't seen it for the first time. So I was looking forward to kind of getting that, that interaction. But um, before we get into the specifics and particulars of this movie, I'm wondering about your respective experiences, our guests, uh, with Farrelly Brothers movies. Uh, well, of course, the only Farrelly Brothers movie I've ever seen and loved is the Oscar-winning classic, Green Book. Green Book. But that's only one of the Farrelly Brothers, so I'm not sure if that counts. So you never saw There's Something About Mary or Dumb and Dumber or any of those? Uh, I've actually only seen bits and pieces of There's Something About Mary, and I need to correct the bit. Uh, I've never seen Green Book. I have no intention of seeing Green Book. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I was, that, was, that was comedy. I was kind of shocked. I was like, wait a minute, for real? <laughs> That's the only one? Weird. I've never even heard of this thing. <laughs> I just assumed it was, uh, this was an obligation or, or a screening that you got invited to. Mark, Mark's, seen, Mark's seen more movies than I think anybody we've had on the show uh, has seen, including I would assume so. the host. He's, he is a, a connoisseur of film. And a, and a consumer of film in a, in a big way. So I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you had actually seen that movie. Uh, well, so, and I, I'm also a noted homosexual. Uh, and that's it. One of the reasons I loved Outside Providence is because I'm also a fag just for the pussy. Uh, but ah. that should come as no surprise that my favorite Fairly Brothers movie is Stuck on You, Stuck with You. Yes. Where uh, Matt that. Damon, well, Cher and Meryl Streep are there. So that's why. Oh, sure. Is it Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon? Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. And Eva Mendez. Oh, mm. that was the love interest. Wow. Yeah, that was, that's a pretty Dude, that's prime. That's a stacked cast. It's a pretty prime Farrelly Brothers absurdist comedy, which admittedly going into this, I kind of thought we were getting into because my my experience with the Farrelly Brothers started very much with Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin. Now, uh, Brain Orchestra, yeah. were you familiar with uh, a lot of Farrelly Brothers comedies before this? I watched Dumb and Dumber. For, uh, that's probably the only one I've ever watched um, from them. So this was new to me. Keep it real with you. Yeah. I've never I, heard of this film. You know, they didn't direct it, first of all. So it was, they wrote this one, and because of their uh, commitments to making There's Something About Mary, which came out the preceding year, yeah, it didn't end up, it didn't end up becoming <laughs> anywhere near as successful or get as much attention. And I think for good reason. It just, it was a smaller film than the kind of broad comedy of, you know, There's Something About Mary. Mark, you kind of already, like, jumped right into probably mm. one of the most... Uh, one of the most jarring aspects of, of this film that we will definitely have to talk about the tonal shifts in this movie um, oh, yeah. because they wildly swing. But going into the, uh, the, the poker buddies in Pawtucket, Alec Baldwin is old man Dunphy. Richard Jenkins is there. Uh, who's actually uh, from Rhode Island. He's actually grew up in the same town as, uh, as Peter Farrelly. Uh, hmm. And then, of course, George Wendt, who we all know and love from uh, the sitcom Cheers. But the scenes with these guys. I no. rewound that scene. I rewound it because I did not believe what I had just heard. No, nah, real, real shit. Same. I was, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this shit was really dumb. <laughs> 1999 it came out. I'm not that, but then I thought, you know, because then I'm like, in the 90s, wasn't, you know, humor obviously was, well, what was suspected to be as humor was a lot different, right? So they got away with a lot of this type of shit. That's you know, what I thought. I'm like, damn. I think, <laughs> I think the, the reason this rolls what through. was so, go ahead. No, I was I was going to say, I think we were going to say the same thing, which is mm. uh, the casual homophobia at the beginning when they go to the disco. Right. Oh, yeah, I wrote like, that down. Okay, I was like, big F word. But, Big F work going, oh my God, damn. But the scene, at, <laughs> the scene at the poker table that made me, re, the moment that made me rewind is when they started throwing things at him yeah, and booing and hissing him until like, he ran yo, away. They just did his bad dirty, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, the, the, reason, the reason I think this rolls through in 99 is because it's supposed to depict the shittiness of like men in the 70s. Oh, okay. I think that's the reason it gets through. It doesn't mean that it's like welcome or needed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, I think that's the reason somebody reads that and is like, whoa, and their explanation is likely, did did you not talk to your dad in, like, 1976? Is that not? Do you yeah. not know what's going on? 
you know, that's, I think that's the thing too, is like, you know, this is based on Peter Farrelly's own autobiographical novel of the same name that came out in 1988. Um, and but like, just, a, just a quick note about uh, the Farrelly brothers upbringing. Apparently they were raised uh, fairly upper middle class by doctors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so well. <laughs> Peter actually uh, has the autobiography, autobiographical elements of his book are he saw poor kids being mistreated at school. He's not meant to be the character, the, the lead. He's not Dildo uh, yes. Dumphy. Yeah, we uh, called him Dildo. I mean, I don't think we should call him anything else. I think we have to call him Dildo. Well, there's no, no way to call him Dildo the rest Dildo. of the podcast. No, I'm not calling him, I don't call him Dumph. He I'm not gonna learn him. his name. He's Dildo. Well, I thought that they don't like, Old Man Dunphy didn't have a first name and Dildo Dunphy doesn't have a real first name. Nor does the dog. And then his younger brother is Hardon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a lot of nicknames. And they like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand they're trying to paint a thing. And look, I think we all know that comedies from, especially from the late 90s into the 2000s, once you get into the kind of uh, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow, however, there's a lot of casual homophobia. It's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. that. Everything is just so-and-so. It's a lot of that. So it's not surprising in that respect. It's just surprising to see in a film like this, mm -hmm. as you're basically just watching this, this like weird coming of age story that is just in this cloud of, of weed smoke, they decide to make some kind of point about intolerance. Yeah, let's in just dab it in there really quick. We need seven more minutes of screenplay. Like, right. let's make a fucked up scene. <laughs> Like, and just to do it in three parts. It's like the first part you are introduced to these characters, a bunch of guys playing poker. And then in the next time you see them, there's, right. it's another scene. And then it just, it ends with them throwing shit at their friend who admits to being gay. And then in a third final scene, they're all back at the table together and everything is okay. Cause the they can crack the joke. Yeah, they could crack different jokes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what the fuck is happening? But I feel it. Progress! Like, Yay! That ass, yeah. Like, it could have been worse, though. They could have had George went in that final scene in full drag as the final yeah, button really on that joke. <laughs> they could have. They, they, they could have really played it, it would for sit a, right a there, guys. bad one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough about George Went's filmography to know whether or not he has done drag before, but there was a lot of seasons of Cheers. I'm just, I'm sure he did like a Jethro, Jethreen, Beverly Hillbillies arc at some point as his own cousin or sister or something. Must have. I mean, like if he's willing to take this role, then yeah, I'm, I'm looking at George Went and drag now. He's there with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I invited him for the taping. <laughs> Surprise. Can, can I ask you a question? Wow. Can you, he just showed up this way. Can you ask him what the fuck he was doing in this movie? Uh, looks like he's split and he's pretty upset. Okay. I think he heard. You. And then ask him if he keeps in touch with Shelley Long. You know, I'm going to email him. Okay. Yeah. Can you, can <laughs> you page him? Slam the door on the way out. So can you page him? That'd be great. <laughs> uh, I, I don't understand why George went to this movie, but I entirely understand why Alec Baldwin is this movie. It makes total sense given where he was in his career at this point. Nine mm. years removed from his peak hunt for Red October. He was floundering. He I think he was doing like Thomas the Tank Engine or something like that at this God point. Damn. It seems like the only reason, and you guys tell me if you feel differently, yeah, he's in this film was just to do that accent. Yeah, that shit had me dying the whole time. <laughs> I was but, in tears, like, oh, what the fuck? Where is he from? Yeah, I'm like, where are you from, bro? <laughs> he said he's been wrong. there his whole know. life, but like, nah, how but did probably, he end up I mean, like that? Everyone else is just like, hey, how you doing? Like he's he's from Long Island. He's a Long Island guy. He's not like he's like oh, some, some some New Englander. Like he's like Staten Island, but no, he's like from like Amityville. He's from like Amityville. He's he's out in fucking Suffolk County. He went to school in Massapequa. He went to NYU. Mark, obviously, you are a uh, someone who's seen a lot of actors do weird accents before. What was your take? on Baldwin doing this extreme Providence, outside Providence townie. Alec Baldwin just strikes me as someone who desperately wants to be from Boston. <laughs> and yeah. any excuse to do any kind of New England bit is just catnip to him. He can't get enough. He can't wrap that velvety voice around those vowels fast enough. 100% nailed. 
They did it all through 30 Rock, too. I, I, I watched a lot of 30 Rock. And oh, yeah, he did, he did it, it through 30, through 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Yeah. But, like, and then, like, I mean, I think where it was best is, like, when he did that opposite Julianne Moore in 30 Rock. And she was so much better at it than he was. Oh, it was insane how much better she was. <laughs> like, you don't hear anyone else using the accent well, and like, you can't imitate that. But I, I do have a soft spot for Alec Baldwin because he was set to be a huge movie star. And then what happened to his career? He fucking ruined it by doing Broadway. Mm. Same. Damn, for real? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he took time off to star in Streetcar Named Desire, and all of his agents and managers and handlers said, "You're on a hot streak. You're gonna, it's, you're gonna kill it dead. You're gonna lose your momentum if you go and do this." And he said, "I'm an actor, so I'm gonna go do this." And he went, and he lost all of his momentum after Hunt for Red October, and then he started doing Outside Providence. Ah, oh, that's rough. Because that's like, aren't those agents like in charge of this heat? A little bit, none. No, yes. no, they can't do anything. Now, Broadway is also a problem in terms of this film because the director of this movie, Michael Carenti, at the time had done two movies uh, previously. Uh, and he had started in theater himself. The first movie he did was called Federal Hill, which was a Providence-based, uh, I'm assuming, again, semi-autobiographical, coming-of-age crime story. But in fairness, it was based on his one-man show of the same name. <laughs> but apparently this is wild news <laughs> but apparently a well-received indie like there's so much rhode island in this fucking movie that i i wish you know we might have to have another episode of this where i bring on to somebody from providence just to tell me how much of this is bullshit but he does this and then the next thing he does and mark i know you'll appreciate this was a in 1996 the big screen adaptation of david mamet's american buffalo I saw that when I was looking up research to do this podcast and I had to close my phone because I got so <laughs> angry. That that play never needs to be produced or filmed ever. <laughs> and and that <sighs> was and the cast on that one was um uh Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And, and uh oh who is it? Uh, NYPD Blue. Sipowitz. What's that fucking Dennis guy? Franz? Dennis Franz Sipowitz. If Homer Simpson doesn't give you your name, it's just Sipowitz. <laughs> you know, Homer Simpson calls him Sipowitz. That's what I'm calling him. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's already a problem with this guy who's basically known for adapting plays into movies gets this. There was a disconnect between making. I have, I have a, I have a theory here. Please. That this person was hired uh, because they may be a pushover, and they wouldn't get rid of any of the memories that fairly wanted packed into this thing. There's no, not a scene that the, was No, I have cut. the scoop. I've got the scoop. <gasps> Hit me. He found Farrelly's autobiographical novel in the dollar bin at a used oh, bookstore while he was reeling from his father's death. And he read it and thought, this man has written my autobiography. So he reached out to the Farrelly, whichever one it was, and said, I want to make this into a movie. And they said, have you ever made a movie before? And he said, no, here's a dollar. And they said, sold. And so they started writing the script together after he made Federal Reserve. And they all collaborated on the script together. And then there's only one person to direct it, this guy. So he set two while they worked on there's something about Mary. There were more people. <laughs> they, they, oh. they could have found someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody somebody else could have given them a dollar. But no, but this is saying, what happened. And it makes oh, sense. It now, now makes sense this to makes me. Better sense. It now makes sense to me why he's credited not just as director, but also as one of the screenwriters. Right. this movie i'm sorry <laughs> i know i i think there's there's a there's a prevailing attitude of fuck this movie but brain orchestra how how did you feel about this movie generally having watched it now i'm on team fuck this movie i'm watching this i mean like <laughs> it was interesting this kid's a jerk off you know what i mean yeah I'm like watching this movie like what the fuck this kid's fucking up yo I mean, uh, I kind of came for, there was just some things, I guess they, you know, I'm, I'm 26. So I'll just be seeing shit a little bit different. You know what I mean? I just mm. kind of like, definitely was like, just outdated as shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I liked the whole, like, like, imagine trying to bag a girl and you're like, yo, you want to watch this movie? Oh, from 99, this shit fired. 
<laughs> you put that shit on. Yeah, you think it's a romantic comedy because you remember the, the if you looked at the posters for this thing. That's the first one thing of the I did. I'm like, yo, this shit look like I. Right, this kid looked like a cheesy asshole who bagged like a the you know the, you the white queen. hottie from yeah. the '90s and shit. So I'm like, all right, this shit probably about to be funny. Yeah, the marketing materials made it look like a romantic comedy. This is not a romantic comedy. This is a story about a pothead, man. It, this like, is basically just <laughs> it was like 19. It was uh, that '70s show, the film. And I laughed two more times at this film than I ever did at that show. I kind of think that's actually mean to 70s show. I laughed more at the names than the jokes themselves. Yeah, that happened. makes a lot of sense. Look, like I the mean, kid's name was Jizz. Like, that was funny. The kids, <laughs> that's the note. I wrote that note down. And then I, wrote, I made a joke. I wrote a note down as a joke. They threw Jizz in a lake. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't think, I don't even think, I don't even think they caught that shit. Oh, it was god. fucking sick. So I was oh like, my god, I didn't catch it. I've seen it twice now. I was like, they snapped him with this shit. That's the, oh, the games were funny as hell. Like, I gotta take a bonk hit on that one. <laughs> you gotta take a hit on that one. I got yeah. you. No, I like, I literally, the note I wrote was just jizz. The kid's name was jizz. <laughs> That's it. You got a guy named Dildo in a room with a guy named Jizz. Yep. And it just like... It was insane. <laughs> these are choices. They make choices in this movie. I don't remember... Again, I did not read the novel. I, you know, I'm sure the uh, the dollar bins probably have it still today uh, if you go looking. But like, there's a lot of just nonsense that goes yeah, on. Yeah, what that. about when his boy drugs die and he don't even like... Yeah, he's just like, whoa. <laughs> that's, that's exactly... Isn't that that's your boy? Like... Drugs was a loyal motherfucker, low-key. He, he he held them down. Drugs was his best friend. Was Drugs the best part of the movie? Probably, oh, yo. I think so. Well, there were two people that I really enjoyed in that film. You enjoyed two people in that film? Two. Yes. Okay. The Headmaster and Drugs. Okay, and- so I just need to very quickly ask, mm-hmm. because I was stone cold sober while I watched it. Oh, bored wow. out of my mind, uh, but stone cold sober. Uh, the whole school thing got very complicated very quickly, right? Yeah. Where he's oh, negotiating yeah. with the headmaster and then he thinks he's going to be sacrificed, but the headmaster like outmaneuvers him because he's playing chess and dildos playing checkers. And he kicks shit. Amy Smart out from yeah. a different school? To the girls' school. It's it's so... Convoluted, is that the word? word yes, word? that's the word. Yes. <laughs> It was like, wildly convoluted. Like, like I, I was high. You're just going to make this dude miserable and like keep him here because that's like the number one way crazy kids fuck shit up is if you keep them in the, in the thing they're not wanting to be in. Having been high watching this, I wasn't able to keep up with the constant shifts between Rhode Island and Connecticut, Rhode Island and Connecticut, and then occasionally Florida for no reason. Right. You know, so, yeah, when that happened, I'm like, what the fuck? Where are we? Where the fuck did we go? Why did we go to Florida? What reason? They spend no time there. That's when the two characters were supposed to have, like, genuinely fallen in love. And made but, love. Right. So they made that shit confusing. They they went to spring break for 20 minutes. Right. Like, it, 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 oh, it, yeah, right. All right, so right, yeah, let me let me let me comment on that. Please, please, these motherfuckers are on motorcycles. This bitch got big ass gloves on, uh-huh. <laughs> like her gloves big as hell. If you pause right there, she hugging the dude <laughs> on the motorcycle. Then her hands are dumb warm, and then they just at a beach. I'm like, wait. <laughs> what? Like, okay, like, so the first hot dudes, spring or some shit. What is going on? The first dudes that picked you up drove you to Florida on motorcycles. Yes. In your I'm winter like, clothes. God damn, you went that far? Jesus. <sighs> Those are some nice guys. Details like that just it don't make any sense. And then you're only there for like a second. Like, oh, look, it's the water. Now it's done. It's like, wh- I don't know where they filmed that. The water in the sunset. I'm like, yo, they dead ass hitchhike. To just go to the beach for a day? That's some wild shit. Anytime anytime two characters are (laughs) supposed to be like cementing their love that you've been building for and you do it in a montage entirely, it needs to either be the naked gun or not made. (laughs) That's pretty much it. 
so I had two details that I just want to bring up and we can leave them on the table and just look away and never return to them <laughs> just so listeners can also live in this moment with us or we sure. can discuss them. I, yeah. I leave it up to the three of you. No, hit it. Uh, but one one is Alec Baldwin is uh, pounding martinis at the blue collar bar. Yo, work. <laughs> yes. Yo, my son was blue. The other is what the fuck happened to their three-legged one-eyed dog? Mm. The inclusion of the three-legged one-eyed dog was so mystifying the second time around, like 20 some odd years later. Uh, because like, why did we need a disabled dog to make fun of? When yeah, everyone is making like... fun of everyone the whole time. So we need a dog comic relief that we also make fun of. It's like when he came at his brother and then started fucking narrating. He's like, you know, I'm <laughs> He's like, shut the fuck up, you bitch. Like, straight up. Like, when they're on the side of the road, he's like, man, stop complaining. Oh, yeah, like, of course it's a wheelchair. You're in a wheelchair, wheelchair. Yeah, you're in a wheelchair, asshole. That's why they're not pulling over. And then he's like, you know, I try not to be an asshole. I want my brother to feel normal. Like, well, they that's made, not going to help either. They made this movie to be mean to everyone. I was like, geez. And it was You aren't allowed to be a human in this movie without It wasn't like scary like movie. Shit. It wasn't like scary movie mean where they were like, yo, we're really just making fun of y'all. They yeah. kind of just jabbed it in there. Like, oh, you want a wheelchair? Bang. There's a joke for you too. Like the thing for <laughs> scary, scary movie, scary movie, it's just like it's equal opportunity and it's broad jokes. Like this actually hurts. Yeah, you have yeah. to hear someone's feelings in this yeah, shit. Yeah, scary movie right. was like pop culture jokes and shit. Like, yeah. Right, like the, the the naked gun reference I made before, it's this kind of gross out weirdo, like only jokes comedy. It's not like a real movie. You know you're in there specifically to hear a bunch of one-liners. This yeah. was pointed criticism of humans for continuing to live. You see, no. I need to go back because uh, while the three-legged dog mystery, I think will remain a mystery, although it still made it onto the cover of at least one of the DVD versions and posters, which is weird <laughs> for, so, for no fucking reason. But I am super interested in it's talking about- <laughs> I am super interested in talking about Alec Baldwin at the townie bar drinking martinis. <laughs> Please. Please. I Please. think we could spend 45 minutes. Our son was fucked up. Like, okay, we've all spent time at dive bars, all of us, because we're human beings. Never got a martini. <laughs> but when have you ever gotten a martini at a bar like that? Hey, yo, I've worked at those bars. Fun. No one gets a martini. Or if they do, they get a really terrible one, so they'll stop ordering them. <laughs> yo, that shit was like, what? If they're trying to paint Alec Baldwin as this grizzled widower, dealing with his demons. And in that scene, there's a lot of demons that get dealt with that they decide that the drink that he should have is a martini. <laughs> like he's James fucking Bond. Of been drinking a fucking scotch. <laughs> <laughs> no. At like, like, it's at like tiny's fucking water hole. Seriously, if you're <laughs> in the middle the, of the, he was playing this, that slide game, like where the fuck? It's like it's like okay, now we're gonna play pinochle or some shit. Like it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me because this it's the simplest scene you can shoot: brown liquor, glass, ice, or bottle of beer. Yes, there's nothing else that needs to be in that scene. Somebody had to prepare martinis. I was gonna ask if if a lot of that bar scene was in for like I think that was Baldwin's idea. I think maybe he thought it would make his character more complex than a walking joke. So how about I do a martini wow. and I look professional? I don't disagree with you. Mm. And I'm going to explain to you why. There <laughs> is a book. Uh, We're talking about a lot of books on this podcast about a movie, and I don't care for it. Didn't you write a book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not the one bringing it up. <laughs> it's called What Just Happened. And it is a, uh, a book that's written by uh, an American film producer and director called Art Linson. Basically telling, he's basically telling tales out of school. Yep. And one of the stories that he tells is basically about The Edge, which was um, an Alec Baldwin movie. Okay. It's him opposite Anthony Hopkins. Does he drink a martini? No, but the was thing there an is- onion on his belt? The issue that gets raised in the book and I'm sorry, this is such a long-winded story. The issue that gets raised in this, because I know some people are high already, but so, the issue that gets raised in this book is that 
Alec Baldwin refused to shave his beard. Huh. He insisted the part did not call for beard, and he had a big fucking bushy beard apparently that he refused to shave because that was a choice of his. And this was an issue, and this definitely echoes what Mark was talking about earlier about his decision to do Broadway, is that uh, he decided that he was not going to shave this beard and thus tank this movie. Uh, which so was he's written, done this before. There's a history here. Which was written by David Mamet, by the way. So just mm -hmm. adding to the Broadway complications. Ultimately, the beard does come off and, and that's fine, but it was a whole nonsensical drama. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Baldwin decided, no, I'm not going to drink scotch. I want a martini with olives at this dive bar outside. He's the olives too. He's like really into the martini. Like it's really what he wanted. Because don't you see, don't you see, his children have blamed him for his wife's suicide all these years, but he has layers. He's complex. He's, He's a kindly, sophisticated he man disguising a giant bruised heart underneath his gruff exterior. And a martini conveys all of that. <laughs> I think all of that is meant to be true in the film and it just fails miserably. I think that's so what they were actually looking for. It was like, I want to put some, you know, I want to be more dynamic in my character. So I'm going to drink something that everybody would be like, what, why? There's you know, also the super have to be weird, a uncomfortable Christmas scene where <sighs> oh. she is doing target practice with the ornaments. That's like a fairly thing. That like old memories are tainted by like complete being completely ridiculous. I feel like anytime that they have flashbacks, and they use a lot of flashbacks, if I recall. And that doesn't help either. So now we're going back and forth between Rhode Island and Connecticut, sometimes Florida, and uh -huh. then flashbacks to the past, and and then that bar scene. And I'm gonna go back to it. They try to cram so much of what happened the into entire that, like, history of their family in like. Seven fucking minutes. Yeah. And a, a, a paterfamilias teaching its child how to tie a tie. Because mm. he's a dad. Remember, mm. he's dad, guys. What do dads do? What's the thing that we all remember? Tying ties. I've never understood why we have stuck with this narrative that it's like, oh, if you don't teach somebody how to tie a tie, then you won't be, you won't be remembered <laughs> in these movies. It's like they only have two modes. It's tie a tie. Oh, sorry, three. Tie right. a tie. Teach you how to shave or give you your first beer. Yeah, yeah. Or martini. Or martini. <laughs> or, or, my apologies. He does try to order him a martini. He's like, we get two of these. He's like, uh, no. No, I'll be having a beer. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> Is this movie actually a stoner comedy? Because it was billed as one, and I'd like to know what your thoughts are. Uh, I don't know. I was smoking weed to it, and I, I was like, I, I wouldn't smoke weed to this film or watch it ever again. It just so happens that they... The incredible reaction. Yeah, I don't know. That's it. That's it. They smoked bud. Like to me, that was normal as shit. But I was. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was like you know. Other than the bong scene and like them smoking out of that weird ass oil canteen my son had. Okay, I was gonna ask if we were, that was, was like, gonna come up no matter what. Is that that like, shit is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I need to take a hit out of that shit. And why? And let's talk uh, real quick. He fucking he he sparked up like a half ounce in that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, they smoked a half a hoe before they went to math class. If you look, I'm like, yeah. How the fuck are you in? He's in the back of math looking. I mean, like, do they uh, just leave the like? Do they leave it and like, oh, we'll like come back and this will be like all week? Uh, the it's amount of smoke out the tree. I, I think it's like, it's like I think it's like stoner comedy for people who smoke weed on the weekends. I, I I think that's apt. You brought up the hilarious hidden stovepipe bong contraption. <laughs> which has to be discussed further because Yo, like think of how many times in your life you like put a towel under the door to just hide the smoke from an a parent or an authority figure like you just did a little thing you got the like, Febreze no, going this fucking this cast iron shit under a tree and hope nobody finds it in broad fucking daylight this thing <laughs> is pumping out smoke like a fucking barbecue 
<laughs> Where it, no. looked like a, it looked like the jerk chicken stands in New York. No, okay, that's my that's my second favorite part in the whole film of the like four parts I enjoyed. And man, I like really wanted to try it. Yeah, I was kind of jealous. I was like, "Fuck, I want to try it." That's like being like a steampunk stoner, right? Like that's what it's gonna be when the world a burns down and we're all wandering there. around and we find like bags of weed. And that's a post-apocalyptic bomb. Cormac McCarthy's bomb. Oh. It's like I have a bomb. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> that particular bit. I haven't smoked up. <laughs> it's like some shit. It's always like I haven't smoked weed in fifteen years. Holy shit! <laughs> they pull that shit out. I got to say, if society collapses and I come across that bong, I'm going to be really excited. Thanks. Same. We're going to Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find it. We're going to find it. Like at the beginning of our uh, of our apocalypse movie, everything's burned down. So the, it's it's all of us together. And I just turn and I go to Rhode Island and we just well, start walking. Well, it's in Connecticut, <laughs> so we don't have to walk as far. <laughs> So I just no, see, it's filmed I, in Rhode Island. I'm I'm talking about real life. That was just, filmed at the University of Rhode Island. Fuck. Okay, we gotta walk that far. So we gotta go to Rhode Island. Ah. So like, I asked the the big question about it being a stoner comedy because it does follow some of the rules: the bong contraption, the steampunk bong. Yes, copious weed smoking throughout. Checks right. that box. Slackers thumbing their noses at uh, at authorities. Yeah, the doorknob prank at the college. Hmm. Pranks. That all falls. Those are all stoner comedy things. Other than that, I struggle with it. Mark, I don't know how many stoner comedies you've consumed, or if you consider yourself able to really comment on this as somebody who didn't watch this movie high. But like, does this <laughs> feel like a stoner comedy to you? Well, I think you have to laugh for a movie to be a comedy, don't you? It's just a stoner. Uh, I read an interview. Uh, I forget where with uh, Sean Hatosi and Amy Smart right before the movie premiered and they were saying yeah so we signed on to do like this little indie bittersweet uh coming of age story and then there's something about mary came out and so now we're doing press and people are asking us why the movie isn't funnier and more gross out and we really don't know what to say because that's not the movie that we set out to make and then they changed the ending after preview audiences didn't like it so anyway we're super excited to be in this movie thank you so much for asking <laughs> the Whoa. That's that's really useful information to, to, to get. I knew that the a lot of the people that did this, that there was the excuse that like in, in that era, especially about five years after Pulp Fiction, indies were white hot. People were doing wild movies that they would never think to do in the past because it's like- So it's also crazy and not to, get, not to get too, not to get too wonky about it. Heat like in Florida for spring break. Uh, the director self-financed the movie and it wasn't until they were almost done with shooting that uh miramax came in as a distributor mm -hmm. oh wow that okay. makes a lot of sense and it, it does make sense i mean I, but i guess they could they clearly could not afford an editor on the film or at least one who'd ever edited a movie before because <laughs> There's, there, it's like, what season is this in Connecticut? Is it, is it fall? Is it winter? Is it spring? What is happening? Other than spring break, I would have had no idea when things were. Spring break and Christmas were like the only two things. Like, when did Drugs Delaney die? I don't know. He died. But that's also, that's every high school movie ever made. I mean, you watch a classic like Grease 2, and all of a sudden, we're at the end of the school year, an hour after we started. Because high school is fucking boring, man. High school is just one big, long snooze, man. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so we got a lot of it in this movie, which rules. <laughs> <laughs> I think to, to the point that was brought up earlier about like, wow, they were really padding this movie out to hit that sweet 90-minute running time. Uh, I'm always concerned when a movie under two hours includes a montage flashback of things that we've already seen in said movie. Ooh. So when he's when he's remembering oh, yes. Thank you. his romance with Amy Smart that we literally saw unfold 25 minutes earlier, that gives me pause. Yeah, the, the love story of Dildo and Jane did not need a flashback montage. She didn't die, she got kicked out of school. Because of you. Because of you because and of your you. reckless and weed like smoking. 100% because of him. Like, because this isn't a stoner comedy in the traditional sense, it doesn't follow those rules, like, then none of the absurdity that you would accept 
applies. And so you can't suspend disbelief. So why the fuck did these kids think they could smoke indoors in their room at a strict boarding school? Where that dude like lives in the place it looks like. Where he's there, his office is down the fucking hall. But you know what? When I saw when I saw that preppy blonde boy make friends with Dildo, I said to myself, he is trouble. Don't you ever trust a preppy blonde boy when you're in Connecticut. Bro, that haircut, that hair off rip, that haircut looked sus. I ain't trusting nobody with that haircut. <laughs> nope. No, that, that looked that... like a fucking I don't know, bro. I don't know, guys. We should all hang around with this Hitler youth. He probably won't screw anything up. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, Professor geez. Snape's son. <laughs> yeah, that's where they got the look, man. They got it straight from there. Billy like, Foo oh, had it down. Billy Foo held it like down. This guy. Like that oh. dude, Billy Foo held it down for like just he's in the movie for like 30 seconds and steals all those kids' milk. He's just like, yeah, I'm like an actual weed smoking dude who like keeps it quiet and doesn't like run around the school with booze and like screaming and making stupid yeah, pranks. He's like, I'm I just like sell stuff. weed and I'm gonna walk out of here mad rich. Have that kid was fucking real. I love yeah, that Yeah, that kid went to, to boarding school for Seriously. sure. He had them, he had I knew that kid. That shit was funny. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was great. I could have done without the uh, Dollar General James Spader. Like it just, no, it's <sighs> not. It's just not worth it's not worth it and when like the betrayal happens it's like i'm sitting there like i just want something dramatic to happen in this film and actually feel something i want him to throw him off the fucking roof i wanted more than anything for that to happen you know like yeah throw this motherfucker he a bitch he'll probably survive like you're gonna get kicked out anyway i mean it's amazing that he graduates at the end of the damn movie <laughs> Like it doesn't How? make any sense. Did they explain that or was that too high? Because I thought he got kicked he out. He studied, remember? He studied. No, oh. he didn't get kicked out. He got he a lot of out. He, he got a lot of hours of punishment, but That's he it. got to stay in school. Oh yeah, when he walked out of the office, right? And they were like, yo, what? yeah, okay, I remember that. All the boys got to stay. The graduation ceremony when he puts his hand out and he's like, nah. Oh yeah. What oh, the fuck was that? Like, he's like, nah, fuck you. Jumping into the man. Yeah, that that really that really did it. Like that's how and he. Then they all come left. I'm like, these motherfuckers cool, huh? <laughs> oh. Okay, it has to come up because there was one moment that I actually truly thought shown in this film that I laughed at then and laughed at now, and that is the headmaster and drugs Delaney trading back and forth, reading the letter. Yeah, that shit was. Weird. That drugs is writing. Yeah, and him passing out in the middle of writing this letter, and then writing that he passed out is the most high school shit. <laughs> it is just—I really, truly love that scene. It's one of the few scenes of like actual comedy that happens right. in this that makes you feel like, yes. oh, I'm about to watch a stoner comedy <laughs> about a boarding school. Right, and then that's, they just like tank it from there. They sync the film to tell Peter Farrelly's unrelatable love story but they miss out on the saga of drugs delaney and what he brought to them and they even had they even had a surrogate for him in the film they had some other like expert stoner there ready to create absurd laughs and bring you into funny stoner settings and then at the end of the day it's just a guy and a girl out in a field smoking weed no totally but the the scene itself just the line delivered you got you you got any squeef you need any squeef <laughs> and the look on the headmaster was like what could that even be there's i'm like he's totally lost on what that could mean what a delivery everything about it is incredible i mean sorry about thunder turd <laughs> they paid that 100 year old man to say squeef they did, they did. And they it was it was time not at all worth the rest of this film, but I'm glad I, I remembered that it's scene. Squeeze. It's the only scene I remembered from it the first time, and I was like, oh, man, that, that seems amazing. That word is insane. Squeef. <laughs> That's a wild word, yo. <laughs> I would have enjoyed a whole movie. The that... Misadventures of Headmaster and Drugs. Yeah, that would have been Give a great film. Me. Give it to me. Just give me the old Hook man. Hook it to my and, veins. <laughs> it would have been the Harold and Maude of 1999. 
the headmaster was great. Mm. He gave that speech at the very beginning. Oh, wow. I like that. Uh, he, he gave that speech at the very beginning. It was very stern and everything. I was, I've heard that speech. He nailed it. That guy was incredible. And then what does Dildo do? Wait, what's that? He gives that speech and then Dildo just goes, I've got, I've got to call my brother. I, it's after 10. I have got to call my brother. I don't care. And then makes a phone call right in front of his office. <sighs> the kid is really stupid. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, this kid's a moron, son. That is probably the biggest takeaway of this film is he's a that moron. He's a moron. He's a fucking idiot. To be fair, like, so I went to a boarding school. I went to a military school. And there were kids that just, like, didn't understand at first that freedom was being taken away, that they were still allowed to do whatever they wanted. And I thought, honestly, as stupid as that scene was, having been there, I saw that happen a bunch of times. Every year I went back, there'd be, like, 10 to 15 kids that, like, don't get it. And they have to sort of be whipped into shape, if you will. That's crazy. The stupidity that, you know, you But there's no it. explanation of that. They don't like, they just like throw you in the middle of it. Like everybody got the chance to go to boarding school when they yeah. ran into a cop car <laughs> full of weed <laughs> Which smoke. Also, a parked cop car? How, how did Alec Ball, old man Dunphy pay for boarding school? They can't even paint their porch. You already had that dirty ass fucking jacket on. I'll tell you. He had you that know what? I'm going to stay out of this part of the conversation. <laughs> it's all sad. <laughs> I think it was something about one of the poker buddies. The, the One of the dudes he says at the beginning has a connection. No, he had a connection to the mob. To the, okay, the had, mob. And they yeah. just like paid off the judge or did something like yeah. knew the judge, if you will. Something like that. So he got lucky. But then how did he afford boarding school? He's probably in debt to the mob. Yeah. Oh, more no. than likely he put 50K into the mob. Which if that, if that, if we are going to believe that to be true, then this is part of the same cinematic universe as Michael Carinti's first feature, Federal Hill. Oh. Another coming oh, of age well, story. That's oh, true. No. Gary, what have you done? I think we've created the Michael Carinti cinematic universe. Gary, why did you do it? Is that the next season? Oh. I think that's it. I think next season we're going to watch Michael Carenti movies. I got, okay. I don't know this if you're is ready. the last episode. You did it. You yeah. ruined everything, Gary. Yeah, this is definitely the last episode. This is the last episode ever. takes this thing over right mm -hmm. and they like obviously a bunch of people there probably thought it was a piece of shit but it's ready to roll it's got a fairly involved they're hot right now and they take this thing and they tack on this incredible soundtrack like what an incredible soundtrack this was for such a shitty film bad fingers on this motherfucker bad finger rules do you have commentary on this incredible soundtrack and why it's like tacked on to this piece of shit? It's kind of what we do. It's like a kind of a tete-a-tete -tete thing. Yeah, put the, on yeah, the yeah I mean, we put yeah, it on the, like we put it on the internet and people are supposed to listen to it and you have to participate and stuff. Yeah, they hit the, they hit the police car while what Mountain Specific Queen is playing, I, I guess. That happens, you know. What's the problem? Uh, you, just, you are the problem. Why, why am I the problem? <laughs> Hey, I suffered through this too. No, 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 no. You you chose this movie. I was gonna give you grace. I can't. I can't anymore. I, I put on grace. no. I put on the happy face and I did the episode. And we had great guests and we had a, a time with them. You know, I'm trying to make an entertaining thing, but no. Come on, man. Like this was just like was bong so water redux. I can't no, believe. No, okay, it wasn't as bad as bong water. Not as bad, but it's like PTSD. It's like if I got fucking. It was on a list of a bunch of. What do if you I want? get shot? A bunch of film. If I get shot the first time and then I get shot in a less vital place the second time, I still got shot twice. That's what this is like. This is just like getting shot it's over not, and over though. again. I mean, it's not though. You got to like talk to interesting people and hang out with like your friend. 
in the middle of a pandemic when we don't see each other. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. But it's just like it wasn't like getting shot at all, I'd say. Look, I'm I recognize that there's some fun in watching bad movies. We did a whole season of we Leprechaun did. films. We like, did. We were all about bad movies. But yeah. there was something about why those movies worked. It's like there's such a thing as a good bad movie. And then it's so bad that it's good. And then there's a bad, bad movie. And that's where like things like Evil Bong and Bong Water and Outside Providence fall so into. So you're you're claiming some fault here because it wasn't me that decided to watch Evil Bong. Correct. Nor did we even find it. I didn't, didn't make us that, do a podcast episode so about terrible it. Terrible that we didn't do a podcast episode. And, but it was never set up for us to as an episode. That was a goof. No. Like we, I, I you never into. I never intended for us to. Watch. I'm never gonna watch the other eight Evil yes. Bong movies. I'm done with that. It was you so are. bad. I can't imagine how. Any of the subsequent ones will be. I can, okay. Are you, so you're calling into, I hear you. You're calling into question the way I pick bad movies when they're already on a list. Yeah. What if the list is infinite? What if I could just pick a bad movie and we watch it and we do a podcast on it? I just, without the laws, without the regulations, I just choose a bad film and then you can choose one after me. We just go toe to toe. We finally slug (sighs) it out for who picks the worst great movies no i just i, I just don't well, look different. look if we're good if we were to, if we were to do that yeah. my taste in bad movies is way better than your taste in bad movies you don't just know based, that just based on the data me based love. on the data you were involved in the choosing of these films you picked this one specifically no you that's what i'm Bob saying we need a new data set a fresh start okay. a blank sheet of paper we need to right. smoke dmt together and go into the mystical forest okay maybe not the last thing okay but the rest of it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I'll just smoke the DMT. So what you're saying, Mr. Colorado space is that <laughs> you think that you can pick better bad movies than me. I don't really particularly want to compete per se, but I know that that's what's fueling you right now. Is that you I'm, look, I'm, are, I'm, I'm clearly you doing better destined at this. to be better than me. It's I'm clearly doing thing, better than this. It's the thing you've done since the beginning of the show is that I am supposed to be the Carl idiot in this idiot goes abroad situation. And I am not, sir. I'm an intelligent, fairly goofy individual, but I do understand the premise of a good, bad movie. And I can, I can pick them. You can pick them. I can you, re- pick you really think you could? I believe it. I okay. believe in myself, Gary. You know what? Okay, let's, let's do it. Next season, season four, uh-huh. we'll do that. And you know what? You know what? I'll, I'll even give you a little bit of a, of a leg up, okay? Uh-huh. You could pick the first movie. You pick the first bad movie. Oh, Gary. I'm sure Gary, whatever you pick. You played right into my hands, Gary. What? Gary, you played right into my hands. You know what we're going to watch, right? Oh, shit. Say it. No, I'm not saying it. Tremors! Oh, God. Get ready. No. The 200 to 250 people that listen to the show sometimes. It's on. Fuck. Season... Four, Tremors. Oh, God. Coming soon. No. It's on. I got you. Gary, come back. Any other fool can't see that I love you and I'm making you watch Tremors. Fuck. It's the Cabbages Podcast Network. <laughs>